Yeah, since you know I'm still working through the counseling sessions on this, let me just go ahead and share an example of that. Seriously, I'll share an example so I can just, you know, it's therapeutic for me to get this out this morning. Um, I was sitting over there one Sunday morning, if it's okay for me just to use this, just bring everybody into this experience. And, uh, you know, dad's in the middle of, you know, just breaking open the Greek and the Hebrew and taking us to the seventh heaven and, and all these great things. And really, I was just over there having the conversation of my life. And, you know, uh, yeah, I was, I, I guess I should have seen it coming because I was actually remember facing towards the, the platform. And, but we're just talking back and forth and, you know, dad's talking and we continue to keep talking while he's talking. And then I guess I should have heard the entire room go silent. But I was involved in this conversation, you know, and it was just going really, really well and having a good time. And my dad, sorry, dad, um, he comes down off the platform. I mean, he, he's in the middle of the message. I mean, he's feeding the flock. And I'm over there talking, and, you know, he just stops and comes down the you know, platform. I remember, actually, I don't remember this happening until, you know, painfully afterwards, but he comes up. That, I mean, can you imagine the middle of the message? The guy puts the microphone down, comes down, up, you know, that little way right there, comes into my pew. <laughs> Seriously, into my pew, and I never saw it coming. Because I'm, I'm, again, I'm turning and we're just talking. Suddenly I feel this Welsh hand on my ear. And I mean, you talk about the fear of God. I mean, you know, just suddenly just, I turn, you know, and there's my dad. And he drags me all the way around and he puts me on the front row right there comes back up and then apologizes to everybody that I was disrupting the service. The disruption was putting the microphone down and walking over there to come and get me. Anyway, I've wanted to share that story in front of dad for years. And so I just, you know, I feel so much better now. Let's just close in prayer and we can go home. Thank you, Lord. I mean, just. <laughs> I'm going to hear about it at lunch, I know, but it's, it's not my fault. I mean, Pastor Dan just tossed out that softball and I swung and, you know. Anyway, it is, uh, it's wonderful, wonderful, you know, uh, always wonderful coming to Bethesda and just, you know, this is. And always a treat to be able to stand up and, and just share some of my heart with you. In a minute, we're going to turn to uh, Revelations chapter 2 and 3. But Pastor Dan also mentioned that uh, we are very close to something that's called Panama Praise. In fact, the uh, Bethesda team leaves two weeks tomorrow morning and will be joining us in Panama. I was there all this week. And a couple of weeks ago, I was there with Pastor Steve. And we were down there for, for the week. And there's just so many things that are going on. If, if you don't know what is uh, taking place in Panama right now, and what Bethesda is, is partnering in and, and being you know, very strongly involved. And let me just give you a little four-minute um, overview of what's taking place down there. You know, in, in two weeks, the team's going to be flying down, and they're going to be involved in giving out tens of thousands of pounds of groceries in some of the most neediest areas across the country. We're working on both coasts. We're working on the Atlantic coast. We're working on the Pacific coast. Uh, specifically, the headquarters is Panama City on the Pacific side and Cologne on the Atlantic side. 
as that week goes forward and we continue to distribute you know, tons and tons and tons of food, there's going to be services in small churches, big churches. It's really just going to be an amazing week. Very excited about having Pastor Brent and Pastor Dan and Becky joining us. Very excited about the team that's coming. Right now, I think we're, if you add the Bethesda team with the United States, Canada team and Honduras team, I think we're almost close to 100 people. So it's a, it's a large team that's multinational in scope. It's coming down. And this is what we're excited about. We've been, we've been praying you know, for the Lord to continue to show us what our next steps are as far as uh, just mass evangelism is concerned. The Lord brought us to Panama through another story. And when we were in Panama, we were asking the Lord, you know, Lord, where is it that you'd want us to, to do an evangelistic crusade so that we could call the nation to prayer and we could throw out the net for souls and then just watch the Holy Spirit do what he does best and bring every eye to Jesus. And he does it through signs and wonders in so many incredible ways. Well, this is different because we're going to be doing two crusades. So we have been building for two crusade weeks all wrapped up in one. That's why it's so important to have a large team because we're going to have them in two different places in the nation working throughout the week. On Friday night, we're going to be in a place called Cologne, which is on the Atlantic side. Then on Saturday night, we're in the big Panama City. This is the two things I just want to share with you real quick just to kind of give you an update. You may have heard some of this, but just bear with me. Three weeks ago, Pastor Steve and I, we were, we were down there and, and we're, we're wondering, you know, okay, we got to put some of the final touches on. We got to get these things figured out and these logistics have to be taken care of. We need to, you know, sit down and talk with this particular person. And the news comes that, hey, you know what? You were going to be in the baseball stadium in Cologne. Remember that? Yeah, we're really excited. It's just outside of town. It's going to be awesome to, you know, to fill up a baseball stadium and preach the gospel. And then the word's like, well, no, you're, you're no longer in that baseball stadium. And I was like, well, that's, that's not good. So, um, there was, there was no plan B, and so we just kind of let it settle for a while. I mean, we're talking about 12 hours later, the word comes in, oh, remember how you were going to be in that sports center, you know, in, uh, in, the, in the sports arena, and it's right there in the heart of Panama City, and you're all, you know, so far. I said, yeah, you know, that's going to be great, you know, how things going on there. So, oh, I just need to let you know there is a world-class heavyweight fight that's going to take place. It includes the Panamanian champion and another one. They can't do it in Las Vegas or Mexico City, so they're coming to Panama City, and you no longer have the arena. Isn't that great? And it wasn't great because I'm thinking to myself, wow, we went from having this arena and having the baseball stadium to now we don't have anywhere to go. Well, the amazing thing was we just didn't have any answers, didn't have anywhere to go. We checked out a couple of things and nothing was sitting right. And let me tell you, sometimes when things don't seem to be going well for you, the best place that you can end up is on your knees. And so, you know, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Steve, we were in our, our, um, our hotel room, and we just got on our knees and we began to pray. And, and let me tell you something, uh, Pastor Steve just began to just pour out his heart, and something just broke in that room. It broke in the atmosphere, and suddenly it didn't matter how it was going to play out. It was all going to be okay. So within the next 24 hours, this is what happened. We get... Um, I had an opportunity to speak at this prayer breakfast that included the former governor of uh, Cologne, and we're sharing. And afterwards, you know, we're talking with him a little bit. What got into his heart was this. I need to help these guys, the guys running for, like, the main Congress position for that part of the country. 
And he was able to work out where he said, where do you want to do this in Cologne? I said, if we could do it on the main boulevard, I mean, just drop us in the living room of Cologne where all the, the housing is and, and where all the restaurants are and where all the people gather. If you could just somehow just drop, I mean, just close down the streets. I mean, it's the main boulevard. This is impossible. And you know what happened? 12 hours later, it was done. It was totally signed off. So in a couple of weeks, actually three weeks time, we're going to be standing standing in the main boulevard of Cologne. And what's really exciting me about that is, is I'm standing on the street that goes this way, looking out at the streets that go that way. You know, on this stage, the street that goes that way, there is a huge apartment complex. All those people in that apartment complex are coming to the crusade whether they knew it or not, because it's just, they're just right there. And so, and then when you go down that street, I didn't know this until this week, when you go down that street, the most um, desperate, uh, one of the most dangerous um, communities in all of Panama is down that way. And I got to thinking, this is fantastic. We were going to be just outside of town, and now you've put us where the prostitutes are. You've put us where the drug deals and the crime czars are. You've given us an opportunity so that Jesus, the love of God, can reach out even to the unlovable, and that is awesome. So that's going to be Friday night. So then we're... Hey, no, no, we don't have time. So then on a couple hours later than that, we get a, another report, and I'm like, Okay, what is this report? It's like, oh, this one's about, you know, uh, Panama City. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, we don't have a place to go there. Well, it turns out we got brought to this plaza, and the plaza is where Pastor Dennis had wanted to be the entire time, but it just it hadn't worked out then, so we went to the Serena, and we got locked into the arena until we got kicked out by this prize fight. We got brought back to this, this Fagali Plaza. The plaza's massive. I mean, it's absolutely massive. And I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, are you telling me what I think you're telling me? Are you saying that we can, we can do it here? And the answer was, yes, you can do it here. And so we went in. We had negotiations with the people who owned the plaza. We were able to work something out. And so, you know, now we, we've gone from an arena, which is going to be really cool. I mean, you know, it's going to be like 12,000 people, which, I mean, kind of small, but still exciting, right? And now we're in a plaza that can fit 40, 50, 70,000 people. And so the exciting thing that's happening now is like, we went from having it in this place where we thought we had it all worked out, who was coming, and now that that's been blown off, it's like, we need everybody in this city who loves Jesus to come and to bring the people who don't know the Lord to come. And so people are starting to scramble, so now we got you know, new requests, can we come, can we get a bus, we want to be a part of it, and so excitement's building there. And so I just, I watch what the Lord is doing, and I hear him saying, I'm all about souls. I'm going after people. I want people to have a, an encounter with me, Stephen. It's going to be dynamic. It's going to be life-changing. It's going to be transforming. It's going to happen in Panama. It can happen here today. It happens all the time, all around the world, because the Holy Spirit comes with the gospel to bring people's eyes to Jesus. And when you connect with Jesus, everything changes. So we're back through this week. I just want to share this with you. We're back there this week, you know, to see how things were going. And, and there's just momentum that's been going from that trip. You know, wow, we're going to be on the, the boulevard. And you're going to be on the plaza. These are the two main public areas. And this is um, a phrase that was given to me by one of the pastors who traveled with me. He said, Stephen, I just see it this way. We're, gonna, we're believing for souls, and we're going to build altars. And I thought, oh, what an incredible moniker, winning souls, building altars, reaching out to the individual, believing God for the nation. And so we're asking the Lord for you know, something that's beyond us. And then I get this request. 
the current governor in Cologne sends us like a text message, just reaches out to us and says, I have a personal request. So like, well, what's the request? We heard that there's more space now. There's you know, more people coming. Could I have a personal bus? Well, when the governor of the state asks for his own personal bus, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes, you can have a bus, Mr. Governor. He came back and said, this is why. He goes, I want to fill that bus with people from our prison, from our roughest prison. I want to put these inmates on that bus. I want to bring them to the crusade. And would you believe with me that God would do something in their heart that we as a government cannot do for them? So get that in your heart. Start praying specifically for these inmates that they would have an encounter on Friday night with Jesus. Three weeks' time. It's going to be exciting. Man, there's so much more I could share about that, but... um, just thank you. I know so many of you pray for Light of Life International. You pray for the crusade, evangelistic crusade ministry. You, you pray for the ice cream and distribution ministries that take place and all the other conferences and things uh, that the Lord has opened up to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're coming. You're giving. It's really, really incredible. Um, you know, I don't know why the entire world doesn't come here on Sunday morning because you guys are the best people around. And so... Thank you so very much for your support. Please keep praying for us, especially as we now close out these next two weeks before we leave. Okay, let's go to the book of Revelations. I want to talk to you about chapters 2 and 3. This is something that uh, is a bit of my personal story from this week. I'm going to share that with you some uh, once we read some scriptures. We're gonna, I want to read to you four particular verses. They're all very similar, but I think they're going to give you an overview of where we're going to go. If we can put them up on the screen, I'll just read them with you on the screen. Here we go. Uh, Revelations 3, 21, 22. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then if you go back a chapter to chapter 2, verse 26, there's this verse. And he who overcomes... And keeps my works until the end to him, I will give power over the nations. Back to chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not block out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then lastly, in Revelations 3, chapter, uh, verses 12 and 13, it says this. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in my temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord Jesus, this morning, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for its power and its integrity. We thank you for the supernatural force of the Holy Spirit, which takes these words and drives them deep into our heart. Lord, let us hear what your Holy Spirit would say to us today in Christ Jesus. Bless the reading of the word. Bless the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's probably Wednesday night this week in Panama, and, you know, I don't know if you ever get discouraged. You may not. 
But sometimes I get discouraged or I get a little bit despaired or overwhelmed. And I was just in that place on Wednesday. I was just, I was just having a tough time. There's so many things that are going on, so many challenges, so many things, but it really wasn't even what was taking place on the outside and what needed to be accomplished out there. I mean, just inside of me, I, I just kind of felt tired. I just kind of felt overwhelmed a little bit, and I, and I really just wanted to be alone. And that particular night, there was some things that needed to be taken care of, and so the team went, and I just, I'm gonna, I just need to just be alone. And so I had, I had some time to myself, and as I'm there, I just, I open up the Word of God. And I open it up to Revelation. And I start reading through chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, chapter 4 and chapter 5. I'm just, those five chapters, just kind of reading. And as I'm in chapters 2 and 3, something just explodes inside my soul. Just like someone dropped a bomb inside our room. I'm reading these, these things about he who overcomes... He who overcomes, seven times, he who overcomes, overcomes, overcomes. And the more I'm reading this, the more that I'm looking at this, I sense the, the Lord just drawing my eyes to that phrase over and over and over. I mean, so many times I'm hearing this going off, and it starts to change from he who overcomes to overcomer, 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 overcomer. And as I'm hearing this echoing inside my heart, fire begins to rise inside my soul, despair begins to flee, discouragement begins to drop off, and something inside of me, like a, a fiery intensity says, it's time to rise, it's time to fight, it's time to move, in Jesus' name, let's go, because I am an overcomer. And so this is, how this began to get birth. Now, if you look at the context of what you're reading here, chapter one, you have John who could have been in a similar situation, maybe a little discouraged. After all, he has been barnished to the Isle of Patmos. He's alone, he's isolated, he's carrying the weight of these seven churches which he has divine oversight over. And the reality is, especially when you read chapter 2 and 3, the report of those seven churches is not that good. But then Jesus comes. And when he encounters John, so much has got to be going through John's heart and mind, but I'm sure this is some of it. I bet he hears Jesus saying to him, John, I know who you are, and I know where you are. John, I know about the churches and I know what they are, but John, there's hope. There's potential to be an overcomer. And so I started digging a little bit more. And I reminded myself, I said, man, when you read chapter two and chapter three, you see the somber warning that, that Jesus is, is, is handing out. But I just kept looking at that. And I said, you know, despite these challenges and despite these, these cautions, here at the end of each of these sections, you hear, he who overcomes receives this. He who overcomes inherits that. He who overcomes gets this promise. He who overcomes experiences this. All of it couched in, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. So I keep looking at it. 
And it just occurs to me, I said, you know, these seven things that are talked about in these churches are the same things that are facing so many, in fact, all believers around the world. And I heard the Lord saying, these are the cautions. These are the conditions. But you are an overcomer. And so this morning, I want to just open up my heart and I want you just to, to see this, this fire that's in my heart to remind us this morning, no matter what you're going through, Jesus knows who you are, Jesus knows where you are, and there is potential, there is hope, because with him, you can be an overcomer. So number one, how do we overcome? We overcome because of Jesus Christ. And we overcome because of the testimony his testimony in us. Understand overcoming is not based upon your self-effort. It's not based upon your human achievement or your human ability. It, you overcome these things and you become an overcomer because of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. The Bible did not say, in this world you will not have tribulation. It did not say, in this world, you will not face challenges or difficulties. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Do not be afraid because I have overcome the world. The Bible did not say that you wouldn't have spiritual battles or demonic attacks, but the Bible clearly says you can overcome through the blood of the Lamb, and through the word of your testimony. In other words, the God of the Bible is awesome. Jesus has paid the price in full. He has defeated sin, death, and hell. We overcome because of his strength, because of his authority, because of his power, and he is the ultimate answer to your challenge, to your problem, to your situation today. You know, it's this Jesus, this resurrected and glorious Jesus who appears to John that makes the difference. When you go back and you read chapter one, you have to understand that John arguably knew Jesus on earth during his lifely life and ministry, arguably knew Jesus better than anybody else. You could argue that. But when Jesus, this resurrected, glorified, exalted Jesus, comes to the island of Patmos and calls out John, when John turns around to look at Jesus, maybe there's a faint recognition in the voice somewhere, but when he sees Jesus, the one who is described as glorious, who has fire in his eyes, clothed in white, full of power and wonder. When John sees what arguably could have been his best friend, he falls as dead at his feet. Wow, the one who would have recognized him the most, overwhelmed by his glory, his awe, his power, his might. It's this Jesus who then touches him and brings him up, tells him not to be afraid, that he himself is the one who has overcome death. He was, he is, he is to come. That he is the one who always shall be and will be. This Jesus then tells John, there are a few things that we need to talk about. 
And I want to list out some of these things because these things weren't just applicable in the church then. They were all over, all over the world today, and we need to know them. We have to go in with our eyes wide open and recognize what these things are because if we're going to overcome them, we need to know what they are we're overcoming. Here's what they are. <clears throat> in no particular order. Your fire going out and your heart growing cold. Have you ever met a Christian whose fire has diminished, whose heart has grown cold? I mean, not here at Bethesda, I know that, but outside these doors, have you ever met somebody who used to be on fire for Jesus, used to just be passionate about God, but somewhere along the line, it's diminished? It may have even grown cold? This is one of the things Jesus says, it's a caution. The second one is this, persecution, fear, the pressures of this world. Anybody know anybody like that? Now here, we're not necessarily caught up in persecution. But friends, we have brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for their faith. There are believers dying today because they would be bold enough to declare, I live for Jesus. And their tormentors say, then you can die and go be with Jesus. Now, that's not something that we're real comfortable with here, but there is fear, there is intimidation that tries to press in upon us, and this is the second thing that Jesus says, just be careful about. The third one, submitting to sexual temptation and all forms of perversion and wickedness. Anybody know today that the standard of sexuality has fallen dramatically? I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church. Anybody catch that? The last one is this, the compromising of our faith and of our values. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just unload that in these two chapters so that we would be so overwhelmed by, by the negative that we would have no answer. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And there's power in your testimony, all of it, so you can overcome. Because of Jesus today, just hear this. You can overcome the temptation to let your fire go out. In the name of Jesus, you can overcome the temptation for the love of your heart towards the Lord to grow cold. Because of Jesus, you can overcome the intimidation and the threats and the pressures of this world. Because of Jesus, you can overcome the tendency and the tragedy of submitting yourself to sexual perversion. And in the name of Jesus, you can overcome the propensity to waver in your faith, to compromise your values. This is the promise of an overcomer, that Christ in you, the hope of glory, glory, you know, if the enemy tells you that you can't, if society tells you that you can't, man, if your imagination even tells you that you can't, stop listening. Just consider the alternative. Yes, there is negative voices surrounding us all the time, banging on our brain, pushing for our attention, but there is a positive voice of truth this morning that comes from the Word of God, 
that comes from the very throne room of heaven. It says this, greater is he that is within you, church, than he that is within the world. Today, in Jesus Christ, the divine yes has sounded. Will you listen to the yes or will you listen to the can't? Let's listen to the yes. You may be in a, I wrote this earlier, you may be in a place today pressured by stress, overwhelmed by temptation and guilt. You may have settled into a former relationship with God, which denies the manifestation of his power. But this morning, the word of God invites you. It calls to you. It challenges you to rise and to be the overcomer you were created to be in Jesus Christ. The second thing, we overcome because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been exposed to this testimony of Jesus, but you need to know it's, it's got practical steps in it too. We're not just called to believe in a philosophy. We're called to walk it out powerfully so that the world can see and the world can know that we belong to him. Oh, you know something? Jesus told his best friends, his disciples, that it was beneficial for them that he go away so that the Holy Spirit could come, not just to enlighten them in truth and righteousness, but to empower them so that they could be bold, that they could be full of fire, that they could be game changers in the world that they lived. They were called and empowered to be witnesses. And these witnesses were overcomers in that generation and the same is true today. But the thing that excited my heart this week more than anything else that I wanted to share with you is right here. It's right now. This is what I want to tell you about. I wanted you to see the cautions. I wanted you to be reminded of there are things that Jesus warns us in the scriptures that says these things are here, they're coming, and you need to know them so that you can overcome them. So now you know. Now you've been warned. You already knew because you've read the chapters, but it's just a reminder. But here's the good news. There is great news for being an overcomer. We just read a few of them. Let me highlight them for you, some of them for you. The privileges afforded and the blessings provided to the overcomer is astonishing. I mean, I'm still, I've talked about this to two people and I, it's almost hard for me to get it out. It's just so amazing. But here we go. Number one, the overcomer is given eternal life. Their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. They're given a redeemed name. So stop right there. To those who overcome, there's no second death. There's eternal life with Jesus. Your name is securely printed in that Lamb's book of life. And when it says he gives you a redeemed name, do you know what that means? Whatever you've been carrying in your past is gone under the blood of Jesus. Whatever sin has been tormenting you, it is separated from the east until the west, and it is forgotten. And when you stand before him, he gives you a new name, and that name has glory attached to it. That's one thing. A second thing, the overcomer has been given the privilege and the authority to influence nations. 
Man, whatever you're dreaming about in your life for God, put it down this morning at the altar. Ask God to forgive you for dreaming so small and ask him to explode your heart, to explode your vision, to do things that would shake nations and continents for Jesus. Somebody catch that. If you can accomplish what is in your heart right now by yourself, apart from the Holy Spirit, ask God to forgive you. You don't want to do things in your own strength. You've got to walk on the water with Jesus so the world can say, that's not possible for him. That's not possible for her. That must be Jesus. As an overcomer, you have been given the privilege to impact, shake, and ultimately be a part of the judging process of the nations. Wow. Wow. Gets better. The overcomer is deemed worthy to walk with Jesus. Just get your mind around that for a second. The overcomer is deemed worthy. Man, the Bible says that we don't have any worth, that we wear these filthy rags because our sin is so great, it's so humongous, but when you get washed in the blood of Jesus and when you walk faithfully and powerfully as a witness of the Holy Spirit, one day, it's declared of you, not only are you worthy to walk in glory with Jesus, but he's going to clothe you in these white linens. And you know what? Go back and look at chapter 1. It means you're going to look like Jesus. That's what it means. You're going to be dressed like Jesus. You're going to look like Jesus because you're with Jesus. Wow. But I've saved, <laughs> I've saved the, my, the two that have just broken my heart this week, the ones that have been screaming out glory. I'm going to just do my best. Here we go. To the overcomer, they will have their name declared before the Father and the angelic court. There's only one name that is declared in the angelic court, my friends, today. It's the name of Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all, yes. And all the all the angels and all the created beings, the sapphires, the cherubims, the elders, all these creatures, they bow down and they give praise to God. And it's been happening for eternity, but there comes a day that the overcomer who is deemed worthy to walk with Jesus in glory, Jesus says, stop it. I have something to say. This person right here is mine. Your name, overcomer, will be declared before Father God. It will be declared before the angelic host because you're worthy of Jesus, because you're an overcomer. And I just, I just tried to get my mind around that. Oh, my goodness. The name of Jesus, and Jesus stops. And I mean, it's, just, it's even too hard for me to even put in my mind for him to say, this is my son, Stephen. This is my, my son, my daughter, and that he would stop and he would breathe my name before that court because he's proud of us, because he loves us, because we're an overcomer, and because we're worthy to wear his name, we get to receive our name declared. That only tells me that he loves me. This morning, he loves you. You already knew that, 
Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus left such a wondrous place. And he humbled himself to fit within our time and our, our physical dimensions of what he created. And he humbled himself and came into the womb of a virgin. And then he laid his life down after a sinless life and died on the cross. Because he loved us. So that we could have these benefits. To be with him in glory forever and ever. Friends, it's great living for Jesus today. I mean, if you don't know the Lord today, you need to come and bow your knee before his lordship because walking and living with Jesus is awesome. But, but, this is just a blink of an eye. This is just a wisp. It's gone. It's a mist. Our time here on earth is just a fraction of a millisecond, a nanosecond. It's gone. And then eternity crouches in. And let me tell you, the benefits that await those who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who live for Jesus, who are called overcomers, wow. There's, a, there's just this tremendous paradox in Scripture about, about Jesus declaring our names before the Father in heaven, before the angelic court. It's this. In Isaiah 6, the Lord cries out. Isaiah records that he's having this encounter with the Lord. He's called to go into the nations. And Isaiah hears the Lord cry this out. Who's going to declare my name? Who's going to declare our name to the nations? That's Isaiah. Revelation says, who's going to declare your name before the Father? Oh, somebody's got to catch that. In Isaiah, the call is from heaven to earth. Who will declare our name into the nations? And in Revelation, Jesus in heaven is saying, I will declare your name before the Father of glory. Friends, we get the better part of that deal. We get to call out Jesus' name here on earth. And then in glory, he's going to call our name out. But it gets even better than that. You guys got time for one more? <laughs> the overcomer will be given the right to sit with Jesus on his throne. Another paradox here. See, today, when we come together in praise and worship, you know, in the evening services on Sunday night, when we come together and we call upon the name in prayer, you know where we gather? We gather at the feet of the Lord at his throne. We come into the throne room and we humble ourselves and present ourselves lowly at his feet and we begin to cry out in praise and worship and adoration and we lift up our supplication to heaven. Here in this passage, the promise is not at my feet, up here beside me on the throne. The promise is, the wording is this. Jesus says, even as I overcame and sit at the right hand of the Father, you're going to overcome and you're going to sit beside me. Man, the, the entire idea that we get to sit enthroned with Jesus is unbelievably astonishing to me. But friends, this is what it is. There are challenges in this world. Your, your enemy of your soul, he knows what that place looks like. He was cast out of that place. Jesus said he saw, you know, he was like, down like lightning, gone. He knows your potential. 
He knows the promises that lay in front of you. He knows the blessing that waits you in eternity, and he is bent on destroying that promise, on destroying that reality by destroying you in the here and now. That's why Jesus could say, he has come to kill, steal, and destroy now and later. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life, life abundantly, everlastingly. Somebody say amen to that. Time is gone, so let me finish up with this. Seven times, seven times, this is what it said. He who has ears to hear. Let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. Seven times it says, to him who overcomes, I will, Jesus will, do this. You hear what he's saying? Seven times. I mean, if you look in the Old Testament in Hebrew, if they repeat something twice, it's like them turning the spotlight on and putting a lot of exclamation marks behind it. It means pay attention. Now, I don't know if it plays out the same way in the Greek, but seven times, seven times Jesus himself says to John, says to us this morning, seven times, those who are overcomers will be rewarded handsomely because I love them. Seven times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church's friends. If there is ever a time in the history of humanity for the church to start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, now marks that hour. Spurgeon said about this passage, he said, this isn't just paper that we can now take later and, and just crumple up and, and throw away. He said these very words about he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the, whole, the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. Spurgeon said, these are words that are glowing from the page. I read that and I thought, wow, he's right. This morning, this is what excites my heart. This is what shook off all those things. It is a call from Jesus. As a reminder, there are challenges in this world, but he has overcome them. There are challenges in this world, and because of Jesus, you can overcome them. You have been created in Christ Jesus to be an overcomer. You have to know the things that face you. And then before Jesus, by the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony, rise up, overcome them, step into glory, and see Jesus face to face because he loves you. God bless you, Bethesda.